Now, Easter is going to be wrapped up in this new series we're starting today called Messy. Anybody have a messy life? Some of you, thanks for being bold. Anybody ever had a messy life in your, in your life? Anybody know somebody who has a messy life? Like, I think you know, this series applies to all of us to, to some degree or another. And we're going to explore this over the next five weeks together. But we're going to start today with a messy story out of my life. Anybody want to hear one of my messy stories? All right, all right. We're actually going to hear a number of these stories throughout this series. So keep coming back each week because my life is a mess at times. So this story actually goes back about 35 years ago or so when I was in high school and when I was cool because I had hair. Okay, so I'm going to let you like just think about that. Imagine me with hair uh, back in those moments. So when I was in high school, I have an older brother, an older sister. My brother's seven years older. My sister's eight years older. And when I was in high school, she was dating a guy who wanted to, I guess, get in good with the family. And so he invited me to go fishing with him one day down in Deltona on one of the typical lakes in Florida. It was a pretty big lake. And if you know like any of our lakes, what do they have in them? Alligators, yeah. So it was a typical alligator-infested lake. So we were going to go fishing. So we got our fishing gear in this boat. His, his um, parents owned some property on this lake. They, they didn't live there, but they had an old dock. They had an old boat. And so he said, hey, let's go fishing. So we did. And uh, we climbed in the boat. I got in the front. It was this old John boat, and he had this outboard motor. So I climbed in the boat, and I sat in the front seat. He sat in the back in this plastic boat seat, if you're you know, familiar with those kind of seats. So he sat in that, that seat, cranked up the engine, and across the lake we go. Now, it's in the morning. It's a little bit cooler. And so I'm sitting you know, in the front. I got my arms crossed, kind of keep myself warm because it's a little bit chilly. And we're going across the lake at a pretty nice speed. And then I notice... We keep picking up speed. We're going faster and faster. And I start to think, you know, is this guy like trying to impress me? Because I'm not impressed. I'm cool. I have hair. And my hair is like blowing in the wind. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. It's like Fabio. It was wonderful. So I'm sitting there like trying to be as, you know, as, as cool as I can because I'm in high school. And all of a sudden, we we're going faster and faster. And the boat starts doing this across the lake. And I'm thinking, like, is he trying to scare me? Because I'm not scared, and I think you're a jerk, and I'm going to tell my sister to break up with you because you're an idiot. Like, I don't like this experience right now, but, you know, you're just an idiot, but I'm cool. So then we get to a spot where I can't be cool anymore. I got to uh, unfold my arms and grab the seat because the boat is violently shaking at full speed across the lake. Finally, it catches the edge of the water, the edge of the boat, tips the boat up, drops me in the water, the boat sinks. I come up out of the water ready to pummel this guy, and I can't find him. I'm thinking, he drowned. Like, I wanted to kill him, but God did it for me. <laughs> I mean, I, I went from like, I'm angry to, oh, I'm a little afraid right now. And I'm looking around to see if I can find him anywhere. And I look across the lake, and he's way back on the other side on the dock. And I'm going, oh, I'm angry again. <laughs> I'm angry again. Let me get a hold of you. So here's what happened. So he got in the boat, and he started the, the engine. He opened the throttle. He sat down, leaned back in his uh, 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 old chair, plastic chair that was uh, rotted, and it broke. And he fell over backwards into the water. His arm rolled across the throttle, opened it up, sending me flying across the lake all by myself. 
And I wish that I, somebody had taken a video of that because I'm pretty sure I would be famous and rich, you know, with that video. Like, an amazing story. So he swims out and I calm down. Like, I didn't want to kill him after that. He swam out and he's like, hey, we got to get the boat. And I'm like, the boat's at the bottom, buddy. Well, the boat was sitting at the bottom like this. And we swam down, found a rope, and kind of pulled that boat. I don't know how we did it, but we pulled it, that boat off to the marsh, swampy side of this lake. And when we came up out of the water, we looked like this. <laughs> so we were um, muddy and had grass all over us. And like, it, it, was, it was just a mess. So we get the boat turned over, get the water out, and we like, you know, hand paddle our way back to the dock. And it was a fun, messy experience. Now, I tell you that story because as I look back over the past 35 years plus since this experience, I can honestly say that there are many moments my life still looks like that. There are many moments that my life still looks like a mess. Now, you may not know me real well, some of my close friends know this stuff about me. But I'm a pretty controlled person. Uh, I like to control my life. I like when things follow my plans. Anybody else like that? All right. All right. Um, welcome to the, my Control Freaks Club. And I am the president. So I kind of like to control my life. And when things don't go the way that I want them to, sometimes I get a little frustrated. Sometimes I get a little cranky. Sometimes I get hard to be around. Uh, you can ask my wife about that. And to help me work on some of these things, God made sure that I fell in love with this beautiful, spontaneous, unplanned, life of the party kind of woman. And when I met Tammy, like I was in love with her beauty and her fun personality. And I think she was attracted to my balding head and my boring personality. I'm not really sure what attracted her to me. But we are a perfect match for each other. But there are moments. There are moments when our personalities clash. And when that happens, our marriage gets a little messy. You can ask any one of my four kids. They'll tell you. I hope this doesn't disappoint you. But sometimes, even as a pastor, my life can get messy. Again, I told you I like to control my life. And there are moments that I found that God just doesn't always work the way that I want him to. There are moments that God's not working on my time frame. There are moments that God's not doing what I asked him to do. And I get a little frustrated with God. There are moments I can act anything but like a pastor. So I found that in my life, I can look a whole lot like this swamp monster. And my life can be a complete mess. When I found myself in a messy situation, here's some of what I think about God. I think that God is probably disappointed in me. God is probably so frustrated in me. He probably is going to pull away from me and, and tell me, like, Trent, like, go clean yourself up. Like, like, go fix your life. And then come grovel at my feet, crawl your way back into my presence. And then maybe if you do all that, maybe I'll reengage a conversation with you. That's often what I think when I've created a mess. But listen to this powerful truth from Romans chapter five. This is the apostle Paul speaking. He says this in verse six. He says, when we were utterly helpless or when we had made a complete mess of our lives in the world, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. 
Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So when we make a complete mess of our lives, guess what God doesn't do? God doesn't fold his arms, turn his back on us, walk away and say, sucks to be you. (laughs) Clean up your life and then maybe I'll consider a relationship with you. God does not do that. God actually steps towards us. He steps into our mess. He gets on his hands and knees and he begins the process of cleaning us up. That's the powerful truth this series is built on. And again, something we're going to explore together over the next five weeks, and I hope you won't miss a week because this is amazing truth that we need to embed in our lives and we need to share with other people. So today we're going to start exploring this powerful example of God stepping into our mess in Mark chapter four. We're going to start in Mark four. We'll end up in Mark five. And I want to set the scene for you of what's happening in Mark four. So uh, Jesus has his disciples ministering in a region of Israel known as Capernaum. So that's Jesus headquarters. And if you're wondering, well, what was that community like? Uh, If you've ever been to nowhere, that's what Capernaum is like. Like it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's an extremely rural environment, a very fishing community. And you know, it was not a place that any religious leader would say, hey, this is going to be my headquarters from here. Most people would be like, what? Capernaum? Nobody lives there. Well, that's where Jesus started his ministry. And he began ministering to the Jews along the sea of the shore of Galilee. And um, I'm going to show you a picture of the Sea of Galilee here. This is where Capernaum is up in this region. And I've had the privilege of being uh, in Israel uh, at this, uh, it's also known as Lake Tiberias. Uh, This is the Sea of Galilee. I've been there. It's amazing. If you ever get a chance to go to Israel, I I guarantee you, you'll never read your Bible the same way again. So it's been really neat being there. But um, this sea is actually a very small sea. It's a large lake, a small sea. So it's about eight miles wide. It's about 13 miles long. And one of the interesting things about it is on a very clear day, you can see pretty well across this sea. And you can also hear across it in certain spots. So we'll get back to that in just a minute. But Mark chapter four, verse 35 says this. It says, as the evening came, again, after a long day of serving people, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, let me tell you what was on the other side of the lake. Those people lived on the other side of the lake. Those people who didn't look like Jews, act like Jews, eat like Jews, vote like Jews, think like Jews, the Gentiles were on the other side of the lake. And the Gentiles lived such messy lives, that part of the lake was known as the land of darkness. And so Jesus says, hey, disciples, I I got a field trip for us. Let's go to the land of darkness. So if you're one of Jesus' disciples, what are you thinking? Like, yes, Jesus, that sounds great. Let's go. No, most of Jesus' disciples said, no, let's just stay here. This is great. We like where we are on our side of the lake. But they went to the other side. Verse 36, so so they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up, 
High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped. There was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. There's a whole lot that we could explore in that little part of the story. But there's more to this story, and so we'll come back to this in just a minute. In chapter 5, verse 1, it says, So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. So let's check in with our disciples. All right, the disciples are you know, pulling the boat up out of water, and uh, they see this demon-possessed man running up. Like, what are they thinking? Like, wow, this is a great opportunity to serve somebody in need. Like, I'm not thinking they're thinking that. I'm thinking they're whispering to each other, I told Jesus this was a terrible idea. Those people live on this side of the lake, and we're not here five seconds, and we got a crazy demon-possessed man running up to greet us. Let's get in the boat. Let's go back to our side of the lake. Verse 6 says, when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him ran to meet him and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the man, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what's your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Now, a legion of Roman soldiers in that day had about 5,000 soldiers in it. So there's a chance that this guy could have had thousands of demons inside him. And like, we may have a hard time grasping that. We don't talk a whole lot about demons today, uh, except for maybe that coworker that you think you know, is a little bit odd, you know, maybe they're demon-possessed. But yeah, we don't talk about that a whole lot. But demons are real. They're fallen angels. They still possess people. Demons cannot possess Christ followers because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, but they can't oppress us. And they work to oppress us on a regular basis. But this poor guy, he was not only oppressed, he was possessed. And we're not sure how he got possessed. We're not sure if when he was a kid, he was playing with some occultic uh, things that kind of opened the door to demonic influence in his life. That was a, a thing that happened in that part of the world. It still happens around the world. Um, we're not sure if he was forced to do something that opened that up. We're not sure if somebody like, did something to him. Like, we're not sure. All we know at this point of the story is that he's demon-possessed and his life is a mess. Now, you might be asking yourself, why is Trent teaching me about a demon-possessed guy that I can't connect with? Like, I can't identify with his story. Like, I, I don't know what that's like. Before you think that, see if you can identify with some of the things that his demon possession caused in his life. It caused him to not be in control of his life. 
He wandered around aimlessly. His life had become unmanageable. He was isolated from others, the people that he loved. Uh, he was at such a low point at, at this point in his life, uh, he was doing things he never could have imagined doing before he was demon-possessed. Anybody ever experienced anything like that in your life besides me? Okay, about 10 of you. I think we all can identify with this guy. Even though we may not identify with his demon possession, I think we can identify with what it led to. So maybe your life has gotten a little messy. Maybe you've gotten involved in something that you thought you could control, but if you're honest, it is controlling you. And you're not controlling it anymore. Maybe you've gotten involved with someone and that someone is pulling you away from people who love you. Or maybe that someone is pulling you away from, from God who loves you. Maybe you've let fear or depression or grief over some loss in your life consume you to the point that you might as well be living in a cave somewhere because you are so withdrawn from the world around you. There can be all kinds of things that happen to us, all kinds of ways that we end up a lot like this demon-possessed guy, just kind of wandering aimlessly through life. The amazing thing is that Jesus always steps into our messes like that. Again, Romans 5.8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So guess what? Your mess doesn't scare God. Your mess doesn't make God pull back from you and say, I'm so disappointed in you. I can't believe you did that. Or I can't believe you did that again. That's not how God responds to us when we create these messes. He actually steps into our messes to help clean us up. Watch how he does that in this story. Verse 11 says, there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. So pigs are another clue that we are not in Kansas anymore. We're, we're not in Jewish territory any longer. And pigs were considered unclean animals, and Jews would have nothing to do with pigs. And, and like, get the context again. Jesus says, hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. Hey, what's over there? Unclean animals, unclean people, like those Gentiles that live in darkness, they live over there. And I think Jesus is kind of saying to his disciples back then, I think he's still saying it today. It's like, hey, if you want to be my follower, you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable because I'm going to lead you to some uncomfortable situations. I'm going to stretch you in some ways. I'm going to challenge you to interact with some people that you may think, well, I, I don't know that I want to interact with those people. Why? Because I've come to help clean up everyone's life. I didn't come for just a certain group of people. I came for all people. And you need to understand that if you're one of my followers, you got to get more comfortable with being uncomfortable and step out of your comfort zones to help other people who have messy lives understand that their lives too can be cleaned by Jesus. So verse 12 says, the spirits begged. They begged Jesus, send us into those pigs. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. So 
The man that was demon-possessed. The man that lived in caves, cut himself, howled like an animal. The man that no one could control. No one could keep chained. The man no one wanted around. He was no longer a mess. When Jesus stepped into his mess, he cleaned him up instantly. And the amazing thing about a relationship with Jesus is there are moments that Jesus can and does clean us up instantly. I have friends that have had that experience. Their life was a complete wreck. And then they met Jesus. And instantly, like all that stuff that created the mess was gone. They had a brand new life and a brand new relationship with Jesus. Sometimes that happens. Other times, that cleanup process happens over time, where Jesus steps in and says, hey, this is going to take a little time. But I'll be right here, and I'll help you clean up the mess that you've created. Either way, God is there to help clean us up. Now, there's several interesting things about this story that I'd like to explore with you. One of them is this. This man's demons led him to Jesus. So when Jesus came up the shoreline, the demons saw Jesus. They knew exactly who he was. They knew this was the creator of the universe. And they made this man run to Jesus. They didn't make him run to him for their benefit or for his benefit. They, they were looking out for themselves. And they didn't really care what happened to this guy. But this man's demons led him to the one who could free him of them forever. Amen. That can happen in our situations as well, in our messy lives, when we can't manage the mess any longer, when we can't manage our alcohol mess, our drug mess, our food issues mess, our lust mess, our jealousy mess, our unforgiveness mess, our bitterness mess, our whatever mess, sometimes that's when our mess leads us to the one who can clean us up. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're at that point. Maybe your life is a mess and, and you've tried everything to clean it up, but, but you haven't gotten anywhere by yourself. Maybe you're weary, maybe you're exhausted, and maybe you're open to Jesus. Maybe you haven't been open to him before. Listen to what Jesus said. Matthew 11, verse 28. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Anybody ever been weary or carried heavy burdens in your life? Maybe you're in that spot today. Maybe it's because of a mess you've created. Maybe it's because of a mess that somebody else created for you. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle. Jesus is humble. He's gentle at heart, and he says, you will find rest for your souls. You know, when I'm in a messy situation, that sounds great. Because usually I, I work so hard to, to clean up my messes, and I usually don't get real far. So when I'm a mess, I'm usually exhausted. And it sounds great to have rest, but how do we get that? Like, how do we really get that with God? So I think the first way that we get that is by admitting to God and ourselves that our lives are a mess. That's the first step and often the hardest step to say, like, that's me. I'm a mess. I need your help. Like what I've been doing isn't working. I need your help. Will you step in and help me? So can you admit when your life is a mess? Can you admit it? Other people can probably see it in your life. 
Other people can probably see when your life is a mess. But can you admit it to God and, and to yourself? You know, honestly, I struggle with that. Uh, like I said, I like to control my life. And sometimes when I'm controlling my life and I think I got things figured out, like I create a bigger mess. And then I think, oh, I know what I can do. I'll control more of my life and that'll make it all get cleaned up. And uh, anybody recognize the definition of insanity there? Like, like there are moments I run around the same tree again, expecting to end up in a different spot. And I end up in the same spot. I'm like, why am I still here? The mess is still here. And God goes like, hey, clue phone's ringing, buddy. It's ringing for you. You keep doing the same stuff over and over again. Like, hey, why don't, why don't you try it my way, Trent? Like, why don't you admit, why don't you raise your hand and say like, hey, my life's a mess. Like, I, need, I need help. I can't do this by myself. So I think that's the first step, admitting to God, admitting to ourselves that our lives are a mess. Then we need to come to Jesus. Again, Jesus said, come to me. You who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and maybe you're carrying a burden. Maybe you're weary. Maybe you've created a mess. Maybe somebody's created a mess for you and you're just tired. And again, maybe you're open to Jesus because nothing else has worked and you're open to him. And if that's you, Jesus invites you to come to him. And the amazing thing about Jesus is he's not sitting on his throne with his arms crossed saying, you know, you have to cross a huge chasm. You have to fight your way to get here. And if you get to, to the, the footsteps of my throne, then maybe I'll step in and help you know. Jesus is actually coming to you to step into your mess and help clean you up. Another interesting thing about this story is there's an interesting connection between Mark 4 and Mark 5. So again, in Mark 4, Jesus was on the Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee. He was near Capernaum. He was ministering to the Jews. And the demon-possessed man was on the other side of the lake. But like I said earlier, Sea of Galilee isn't that big. And you can see across it pretty well on a clear day. And there are parts where you can hear across it as well. So this is total speculation. But think about this. Jesus was often up early praying on his side of the lake to his heavenly father. Because of the hillside around the lake and how sound travels across water, there's a really good chance that when Jesus was up early praying, this demon-possessed man was up late screaming. Again, this is total speculation. But it would not surprise me that if one morning Jesus said, I hear you. I hear you over there. I know you're on the other side of the lake. I know you're living in the land of darkness. I know you're filled with demons. I already know who you are. I know what your real name is. I hear you. And today I'm coming to clean up your mess. A storm couldn't even stop Jesus. Nothing could stop Jesus from getting to that man. Nothing can stop Jesus from getting to us in those moments when we're crying out to God. So if you're crying out to God because of the mess that you're in, God hears you. He's not waiting for you to clean up your life and come to him. He's not waiting for you to have perfect church attendance for half a year before he shows up in your life. He'll actually step into your life today to help clean up your mess if you'll just say, I need it. Like, my life is a wreck. I need it. Jesus is coming towards you. Listen to what he says in Revelation 3.20. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. 
So just think about this. If you're going to go to a friend's house, you're going to knock at their door. You're going to see if they're there. But you've traveled the distance, whatever that distance is. Maybe you live next door to them. Maybe you live across town. Maybe you live several states away. Well, Jesus left the splendor of heaven to come and stand at the door of your heart. So he's come to you. He says, look, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. The way that we open the door of our heart is by saying, Jesus, I admit I'm a mess. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe, Jesus, you are that savior who died to clean up my messy life. And I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord, my savior. And the crazy thing is, if we have that conversation with God, open the door of our heart, the creator of the universe will step into our lives and begin the process. Maybe there'll be this cleanup thing that happens instantly. Maybe it'll be something that happens over time. But either way, Jesus will step into your life and begin the process of cleaning you up. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. For others of you, uh, maybe you've already made that decision. Maybe Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and maybe for whatever reason, your life is a mess again. Maybe something happened. Maybe God didn't work the way you wanted him to. Maybe you pulled away. Maybe you fell into some familiar sin, and and that sin has pulled you away. You feel so guilty about that. Like You just don't feel like you can be in God's presence. So maybe your life is a mess again, and Jesus says to you, come back to me. And I'll clean up your life again. It doesn't matter how many times it is. I'll clean up your life again if you come back to me. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness or unrighteousness or all the messes that we've created. So for some of us today, the most significant thing that we can do is this thing called personal confession where we say to God, I've done it again. God, I know it's only been a week. Or maybe, God, I know it's only been 24 hours. But here I am again, asking for your forgiveness. You know, the amazing thing about personal confession is it is a tool that God uses to clean us up. And it is a tool that never wears out. You can't overuse it. You know, God never gets to a spot where he says, oh, that's a thousandth time. Sorry, your personal confession tool has just broken does not work anymore. God does not say that. When we come back to him with sincerity of our heart saying, God, I've messed up again. Will you forgive me? Will you clean me up again? God says, yes, I will do that. Maybe for some of you, that's what you need to do today is have a moment of personal confession with God. Listen to how this story ends in Mark 5, verse 18. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Can you imagine the reunion this guy would have with his family? Imagine this guy showing up at the door of his house going like, mom, dad, I'm home, and I'm different. Like, yeah, you actually have clothes on, and you're not crazy. Like, yeah, we could tell you're, you're different. Like, what happened? Jesus happened. In an instant, he cleaned up my life. So verse 20 says, so the man started off to visit the 10 towns. Those were 10 Gentile towns 
went off to that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. So after Jesus cleaned up this, this man's life, he gave him a new mission. And the new mission was go everywhere, tell everyone that I've cleaned up your life. Go tell people about that. And if you're a Christ follower and, and you're doing well in your life right now, then you should be telling other people about how Jesus has cleaned up your life. There are moments that we, we have a distance between us and the messy times in our lives. And sometimes we kind of forget about that. And we forget that we need to share that story with other people. But sharing that story can be beneficial to, to us. And it can be beneficial to people who are hearing us share that story. So share your messy story of how Jesus has cleaned you up or how Jesus is cleaning you up. And I wish as we would go do this, I wish I could say to you, you know what? Every time you share that story, people are going to be amazed and they're going to want to hear about it. They're going to be so excited that you are sharing your messy story and they're going to be excited about how Jesus could clean up their mess as well. But that's not the reality. Mark chapter 5, verse 15 says, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus. Like, what were they pleading? What's this next part? Go away. Go away. So they didn't say, Jesus, like, we cannot believe that you cleaned up this guy's life. Like, no one ever thought that this guy could be cleaned up. Like, if you could clean up his life, maybe you could clean up my life. Jesus, would you clean up my life, please? They didn't say that. They begged him, Jesus, would you get out of here? Would you leave? Some people like their mess. For whatever reason, They've gotten familiar with it. They've gotten comfortable in it. Some people aren't excited when your life is cleaned up. You may clean up your life and then go tell your old friends, like, my life has been changed by Jesus. I want to tell you about this. And they might say, good for you, churchy person. But that's not my life. You might actually lose some friends if you share how Jesus has cleaned up your life. You might have some broken relationships around you. But we should never stop sharing how Jesus has cleaned up our lives because we never know what will happen. We never know if someone will, will push us away or say, tell me more. Like, I need more of that. So we have a responsibility as Christ followers to share how Jesus has cleaned up the messes in our lives. We should never be ashamed of that. We should share it with anybody and everybody. And we should know not everybody's going to be super excited about that. It's an amazing story. Uh, I hope you found yourself in the story somewhere today. I know I found myself in several places in the story. Next week, we're going to continue again. We're going to have a messy Easter. I hope you'll come for that. Uh, it'll be quite the experience. I'll have another messy story for you. Um, but as we close today, our worship team is going to lead us through a song called Run to the Father. And as we sing this today, I encourage you to engage it in whatever way is meaningful for you. So if your life is a mess and, and, and you'd like a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to actually guide you in how to do that through our prayer time. And I encourage you to continue that conversation on with God during our song. 
If your life is a mess again, have a moment of personal confession. Like during this song, just say, God, I'm here again. I've messed up again. I need your forgiveness again. And God will step into your mess. He will begin the process of cleaning you up again. Maybe some of you need to run to God for boldness. Again, this is a week where people might be open to coming next Sunday or joining us online to hear about how Jesus can step into their mess. And so maybe you need boldness for that. So maybe running to Jesus means you run to him and say, Jesus, give me the boldness, give me the the words to speak to the people around me who desperately need to hear how Jesus can clean up their lives. So whatever way you need to run to Jesus during this song, I encourage you to do that. If today's message has pricked something in your life, in your heart, I encourage you to stop by our care table before you leave. It's on the left-hand side in our lobby. I'll be out there as well if you'd like to have a conversation, if you'd like somebody to pray with you. If you are watching online and you need some prayer, just email us at prayer at theepicchurch.com. We would love to pray with you and for you. So we're going to pray together. And as we pray, I'm going to talk to several different groups of people. So if you would, just bow your head and close your eyes with me. And then our worship team is going to close us out. As we begin praying, I'm curious if if there's anybody here uh, on campus or online willing to say, you know what, like my life uh, is a mess and and I need help cleaning it up. Anybody willing to say that? Just raise your hand real quick if you would. All right, thank you for that. Thank you for the courage to say that. Anybody willing to say your life is a mess again? You know, Jesus cleaned it up at one point, but for whatever reason, it just got messy again. Anybody willing to say that? Hold your hand up. Thank you. For that, I see those hands. So God, I just pray for these people. Lord, I'm grateful for their courage to say, yep, that's me. My life is a mess. That's the first step for us, is to admit our lives are a mess. And God, I just love what we've learned today, that you don't sit at a distance waiting for us to clean up our lives before we can come to you. You actually come to us and say, I'm here. I'm here to help you. So I just pray for these people. I pray that they would allow you in. They would get real honest about the mess that they're in. And they would let you begin cleaning their lives up. As we continue to pray, I'm curious if there's anybody on campus or anybody watching online who might say, you know, my life is a mess and I need Jesus. I need a personal relationship with him. I've never started one of those, and I would like to do that today. So if you're in that spot, would you just take a second and just raise your hand up and hold it up so I can see it? I'll just pause for a second, and I'll look across, across the auditorium just to make sure I don't miss anybody. I see one hand over here. Thank you for that courage. Anybody else? See that a hand? Thank you. If you're in that spot or you're watching online, here's what I encourage you to, to, to do during our song. I encourage you to admit to God that your life is a mess. That God, I, I've created a mess and I need help. Tell him that you believe Jesus is your savior who died to clean up your mess. And then ask him to come into your life as your personal Lord and Savior. When you make that decision, the creator of the universe will step into your life and he will clean up your mess. It might happen in an instant. 
It might happen over time, but either way, he will be right in there with you, cleaning you up. And then I encourage you to keep coming, keep coming back, because there's a whole lot more we've got to learn about what God does when our lives are messy. So God, we're so grateful for these courageous people who are willing to say, like, I need you, Jesus, or my life is a mess again. And Lord, I'm, I'm grateful to understand what you do in our messes. Thank you for the profound truth of Romans 5, 8, that, that when we were yet sinners, Christ came to die for us. When we were at our messiest, you stepped into our mess. You got on your hands and knees and you cleaned us up. So this morning, we run to you. We run to you knowing that you're running to us as well. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this. Amen.